So good morning listeners and welcome to Come and See Inspiration. It's been produced here in our Come and See studio here in Ada. It's And it's the 22nd of December. It's the fourth Sunday in Advent. And help me to produce the programme again this morning, my good friend Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? We're good. Thank you very much indeed, Shane, for joining me again. And also, of course, we want to mention especially our listeners who are housebound and lonely and struggling in some way. Our listeners who support us in prayer each week. I meet them during the week. I, I, I met a few this week now who enjoy the, enjoy the programme, enjoy the hope that's in the programme and enjoy the music. And Shane, you certainly got some some um, some fans out there in terms of your, of your saints. I mean, the oh, variety yeah. and, and where they come from and keep it up. All I'm saying is that they love you. Keep it going. Well, we won't let that go to my head. <laughs> no, no. Thanks a lot, Shane. Again, so just to remind listeners again, uh, this program is is uh, is produced uh, is broadcast. Sorry, on Sacred Space, it's West Limit at West Limit One Hundred Two FM at ten a.m. and eleven p.m. each Sunday, and is available for playback and download on Come and See Inspirations Sacred Space One Hundred Two iTunes and Spotify by looking for Come and See Inspirations. So anywhere in the world, you can listen to us. Uh, this this program being produced. If you're not in West Limerick, those are the spots where you can find us. You can contact as well uh, us by texting us on zero eight seven six zero eight eight six six seven. That's zero eight seven six zero eight eight six six seven. Or you can email us, and that's in sacred space one or two at gmail dot com. So at this point, I'd just like to advise listeners of the arrangements uh, West Limit 102 have made for the broadcast of Sacred Space on Christmas Day. So we're going to broadcast at 9am to 11am in the morning. I repeat at 10pm and until midnight on Christmas night. So that's 9am to 11am Christmas morning and 10pm to 12 midnight. But in the meantime, Shane might share some saints for the week for us, please. Thanks, John. Um, so, as you said, today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, 22nd of December. Where did the month go? I was kind of turning around yesterday. It was the 1st of December. Today is the 22nd. I'm kind of going, oh, my God. Um, but anyway, mm. so for those praying the Psalter, we're on week four, obviously enough, as we're on the fourth week of the new liturgical year. It's fairly straightforward. So in terms of liturgically item, liturgical items this week, now... Obviously, saints kind of take a back seat, obviously, during the Christmas season. So, the way it works is, um, I'll tell you what, no, let's do Monday and Tuesday, and we'll, then we'll get into Christmas season. Okay, so Monday is the Feast of St. John of Canty. He's a Polish saint, associated very much with Krakow in Poland. And in case you're kind of going, why is Krakow familiar? Yeah, Krakow is where John Paul II was bishop. Uh, before he was elevated to the throne of St. Peter. And, of course, it's also near the Auschwitz as well. But anyway, John of Canty, he was a theologian and a scripture scholar, very much associated with the great university in Krakow, and he died in 1473. Now, the 24th of December, and people say to me, Shane, that's Christmas Eve. Yes and no. Christmas Eve starts at sunset on Christmas Eve. So if you wanted to celebrate a saint on the, on the morning of Christmas Eve, you would actually be commemorating the holy ancestors of Jesus. Um, that's what the calendar calls them. I didn't put this up. So it's basically to do with, remember, our, just to remind people, 
in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Luke, we have the genealogies. And Joseph was the son of this, who was the son of that, who was the father of this, who was the son of that. You know that one? Yeah. So basically, it's those that, it's all of those. And obviously, of course, the problem with the genealogies is, as I keep reminding people, is it kind of leaves out the women. But, you know, it's basically commemorating the human ancestors of Jesus all the way back. So that's on the 24th. So obviously, then Christmas Eve starts, sunset on the 24th. And then we're into the Christmas season. And we begin with, on Christmas Eve, we give evening prayer one of Christmas Day. So, Christmas season itself runs from sunset on the 24th all the way up until sunset on the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, which this year is falling on the 12th of January. So that's this Christmas season. That is Christmas. And if anyone else contradicts me, I'm not really going to talk to you. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, that's the Christmas season. Now, of course, <clears throat> Christmas Day is the 25th. And once we have Christmas Day, we're into the octave of Christmas. Now, we spoke about octaves before. They're one of the great little um, tricks that are pulled in terms of the calendar every year. We only have two of them left. There used to be a lot more. But an octave is where the church stops liturgical time. So because it wants to focus on a particular event or occasion, which, of course, this is this time is Christmas. So what it means is you go to Mass on Christmas Day, right? And then if you go to Mass or for any of the following seven days... What you'll notice is the prayers of the Mass are the same. So that's the opening prayer, the prayer over the gifts, uh, perhaps the, the, the preface, the, 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 the bit at the start of the Eucharistic prayer, and the, and the closing prayer will all be the same, and they will be taken from the Mass of Christmas Day. For those of us that pray the office, it is the same set of psalms that we read, the same set of antiphons that we pray. And it, the idea is being it's to celebrate and to continue the celebration. That's the idea behind it. But even though you're in the octave and you're continuing to celebrate Christmas, you do really remember the saints. So the saints are generally remembered in the evening bits. Okay. So the saints we have, obviously, the 26th of, Je of December is the feast day of St. Saint, uh, Stephen, the proto-martyr, first martyr. Uh, generally commemorated on the church's calendar, was one of those in charge of the poor and needy. So if you go back to your Acts of the Apostles, you might remember there were seven deacons ordained by the apostles, seven men, good standing, brought forward, and the apostles laid their hands on them. Stephen was one of those seven. And he is outstanding, I suppose, in the, he's, 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 his martyrdom is recorded in the Acts of the Apostles. And it's evident for his forgiveness of his enemies, because while he's been stoned to death, he sees, the, he sees Kevin open up in front of him. And, of course, we're introduced to the character of um, Saul of Tarsus, who becomes Paul. And generally in art, you will see in where, where St. Stephen is being martyred, you will see St. Paul to the side, generally holding the cloaks of the people that are killing Stephen. So anyway, that's St. Stephen's Day, celebrated on the 26th. Obviously, for our neighbours across the water, they call it Boxing Day. Okay, so the 27th is the feast day of St. John the Apostle and the Evangelist. It's my own patron day, uh, one of them. <clears throat> and it, it, of course, John is the beloved brother of James, son of Zebedee, the disciple whom Jesus loved, and is traditionally attributed as the uh, writer of the fourth gospel. 
Uh, John's Gospel is generally written about 90 AD. It's generally understood that John was one of the youngest of the apostles. Um, also, you have the Book of Apocalypse, or the Book of Revelation, and a number of letters which are attributed to him. And, of course, the letters, Deus Caritas S, God is love, is the great first opening line of the first letter of St. John. Deus Caritas S, God is love. And, of course, and that is the tradition that when John was dying, he was an old man, uh, his only message to people was love one another. That was the message of the master. So then on the 28th of um, December, which is next Friday, <clears throat> sorry, it's Saturday? Friday, sorry, Saturday. 27th? Sorry, the 28th. The 28th is Saturday, yeah. It's Saturday, yeah. Sorry, is the Holy Innocence. So, of course, we have here the account and the recollection of the Holy Innocence. Those male children under the age of two in the area of Bethlehem who were killed on the orders of Herod the Great. And now, it's always interesting. Um, the, the massacre of the Holy Innocence happened after Jesus and Mary had been taken to Egypt by Joseph. Mm. Um, but I was, when, I was in, when I was on my pilgrimage to the Holy Land a number of years ago, our guide made the point <clears throat> that obviously um, John the Baptist must have survived as well because he would have been in the same age bracket as those children that were killed that were killed True, yeah. um you know so it's it's just an interesting point something i had never actually thought about before um holy innocence it's very much day dedicated to remembering particularly children that have been killed in war it's also in certain parts of the world it's a day set aside for prayer for children that have died through abortion um, and so it's something else just to think about on that day as well. And so that's the 28th of, of December. It's the Feast of the Holy Innocents. And they are categorized as the, one of the, fir- the first martyrs of the church because they were the first to, to shed their blood for the Christ child. Then finally, Sunday, next Sunday, <clears throat> is the uh, Sunday that falls within the octave. And by tradition, then it becomes the Feast Day of the Holy Family. And we'll talk about that on next Sunday's program, uh, where we have reflection on the Holy Family. So that's what we have, John, in terms of celestial guides and so forth <coughs> during Christmas season. Thank you very much indeed, Jan. OK, just before we go for our first bit of music, um, just so that I'd mention a few, little, a few little things about some of the symbols of Christmas. First one I got up here is light. Light is the preeminent symbol of Christmas. The light who is Christ was foreshadowed by the Advent candles and is now symbolised by, by the Christ candle, that's the white candle, that burns throughout the 12 days of Christmas. The Feast of the Epiphany and Candlemas celebrate Christ as the light of the world in even more explicit ways. So just a reminder, you know, those of, the, those of us who put up candles, you know, the, the symbol there is it's the light of Christ. Another one in terms of Christmas trees. In the Middle Ages, mystery plays were held on Christmas Eve, which featured a paradise tree. A tree representing both the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life from the Garden of Eden. Because Christmas Eve was an unofficial feast day of Adam and Eve, it apparently it's still their official feast day in many Eastern churches, didn't know that? But the tree was decorated with colourful apples representing the forbidden fruit with candles representing the tree of life. These mystery plays were suppressed during the 15th century, but faithfully kept the paradise tree tradition. And of course, there's another tradition again, uh, another symbol at another level of symbolism, St. Boniface, chopped down an oak tree uh, sacred to pagans in Germany. 
He did so to show them that nothing bad would happen, that Thor, that's the god, has no power. It is said that when he did this, he pointed out a small fir tree growing at its base and said, This humble tree's wood is used to build your homes. Let Christ be the centre of your households. It remains, it, it, its leaves remain evergreen in the darkest days. So being, let Christ be your constant light, it bows each to reach out to embrace and, and its top points to heaven. Let Christ be your comfort and your guide. And just two more. Once about the Advent wreaths. In Roman times, wreaths made of laurel were used as symbols of victory. Christians adapted that practice, using wreaths, usually upon these days, to represent the victory of the newborn king. Some families t- turned their Advent wreaths into Christmas wreaths to be used uh, starting on Christmas morning. So it's important, some, t- some people mightn't realise, you know, they just hang up wreaths. Well, from a Christian practice, according to this, uh, it's to represent the victory of the newborn king, i.e. the birth of Jesus. And one last one, uh, the Poncietta plants, called the Nativity Plower, and Flores de Noctebuna, I didn't pronounce that correctly, or the Flowers of Holy Night in Mexico. It, it, it is a New World Christian tradition. The shape of the leaves symbolise the star of Bethlehem. The red colour represents the blood of Christ and the burning love of God. A Mexican legend has it that a poor girl wanted to give baby Jesus something for his birthday, but could only present him weeds weeds to him, as, as that's all she had. As she laid them near the altar of the church, they burst into beautiful red blooms. To keep Ponciatus fresh, don't overwater, says this, and keep cool. And maybe just last one, the Christmas carol. Uh, it's traceable to St. Francis of Assisi, who organised uh, different nativity mystery plays. In between acts, carols could would be sung, and the audience members would sing them in streets. For the 12 days of Christmas, carols would be sung as partygoers would move from house to house to, uh, and onto different parties. Later, singers would gather just for the purpose of singing door-to-door, usually to be rewarded with hot drinks and sweets. I wonder what people would do these days, Shane, if they were moving from a parties to one house to the other house. I wonder what carols they'd be singing. Mm. Well, it's, an, it's, it's definitely an interesting thing because most of the carols that we have are actually um, late Victorian or early 20th century. Um, very few modern carols have actually captured the public imagination. Mm. Um, now, we have the Christmas number ones. That's, that's a different thing. That's secular songs. But in terms of carols that we associate uh, with basically a form of evangelization, um, it's generally what you will find is modern interpretations of uh, classics uh, from, from, uh, from, the, from the, the late Victorian, early 20th century. Thanks for that, Shane. So at this point, we might go for our spiritual communion prayer. And this is for those, especially those who have been said before, who are lonely and sick and in the house all by themselves. A spiritual communion prayer to help them spiritually receive Jesus into their souls. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul, since I now cannot receive you sacramentally come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So now we go for our first bit of music, and this one is entitled The Angel Gabriel, sung by the King's College Choir. Join us again in part two, where we'll be joined by Father Chris O'Donnell to reflect on the final days of Advent. 
So come back and join us in part two. So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley. I still join on the other end of the Skype line by Shane Ambrose. And it's great for us to welcome onto our program again uh, Father Chris O'Donnell from, I think you're based in Kamalik at this stage. Good morning, Father Chris. Good morning. How are you doing? We're good. Thanks a lot for taking time out. I know you're very busy. Father Chris uh, has very graciously said he'd stay with us for a little bit this morning to help us to in these last few days before Christmas, this last Sunday in Advent, maybe to take a few thoughts forward with us. I don't know which one of you would like to start. Father Chris, would you like to throw in a few thoughts and maybe where you might want to, where your thoughts might be on this, the fourth Sunday in Advent? Yeah, the fourth Sunday in Advent, I suppose, on the Advent trees, we we're lighting what we call the candle of love. So, Inevitably, as we're working our way towards Christmas, love is more to the fore. Also this week, the fourth week of Advent, the focus tends to turn to Our Lady a bit as well. So there's lots to think about. And then the Gospel of of the day reminds us of, of the great name that this, this child is to be given, the name Emmanuel, which uh, is, I suppose, the essence of everything. It's the source of all our hope. Because it's not just the name, it's a promise. It means God is with us. So you could unpack that forever. So I suppose there's great hope and love uh, in, in the readings and in the week as we kind of work our way towards Christmas. I suppose some, some people, Father Chris, maybe some of our listeners even, uh, might have found um, Lent, uh, sorry, Advent a little bit long in terms of, I suppose, it's human nature that they want to get to Christmas Day fast, quick. Yeah. But I suppose it's, yeah. it's important for us to take those four weeks and those thoughts that are given to us by in the readings of the church and so on and so forth. Would that be right? 
Yeah, I I agree. I, I of course uh, people want Christmas to come quickly for for lots, not for all. Sadly, for some people, Christmas is a time of year they dread and. And yet there's hope for everyone in, in the Christmas message, especially those who are struggling with it. But I know for me, I'd prefer if there was an extra week in Advent because I always feel it just all seems to come too quickly. And the opportunity maybe to step back and take stock and all the things that Advent invites us to do, uh, I, I find for myself I, there isn't enough time in Advent to do really uh, all the things that it invites you to do and embrace the fullness of it and yet I know for others uh, they're, they're just eager to, to get to Christmas as well so it's trying to find the balance between the two which is always tricky you know it's a bit like Lent preceding Easter we, we sometimes rush through the season to get to the high point whereas there's a gift in and of the season itself you know so again trying to find that balance is always tricky and Shane, would you have any thoughts on that in terms of, you know, people trying to rush through, get to Christmas Day? <clears throat> well, I suppose um, it's the point that we have we have made uh, since the start of the Advent season on the programme is, of course, that we really need actually to experience Advent. Um, and we really need to carve it out in our lives, I think, myself, because otherwise... It's just an, Christmas is just another day. It's a whole pile of pandemonium beforehand, and then you're on the day, and suddenly it's over. And I, for me, I think that's something that um, you know the, the the liturgical calendar in itself. There's great depths and beauty to it, in terms of how it leads us into celebrating these great feasts. And I think for me, I suppose one of the reminders that we have to have is Christmas is a Christian feast. It's, the, it's Christ Mass. It's the celebration of Christ's birth. And for us, I suppose, we, just, we need to remember and remind ourselves that Advent is a season of preparation. Now, it doesn't have the full penitential weight of Lent, <clears throat> but it's an opportunity for us to carve out moments, uh, or to try and carve out moments, of um, reflection uh, as, we, as, and, as we kind of head into the busyness, I suppose, of, of Christmas. And that's not to say you don't get ready. You know, that's not to be humbug and Scrooge about it and say, well, you know, if the Christmas concert is on, you go to the Christmas concert. Or if the kids are doing the nativity play at school, you go to the nativity play at school. But the idea, I suppose, for me is that Advent is very much a season in its own right. Like I was having this conversation with someone the other day and I was, you know, and we were, I was just saying to him, well, you know, Christmas technically starts on Christmas Eve. And it finishes, I said, <clears throat> generally around the 11th of January, which is the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. And he was kind of going, all right. And I said, did you ever wonder where the 12 days of Christmas came from? I said, that's Christmas Eve to, to Little Christmas, the 6th of January. And suddenly you could see, you know, light bulbs going off as something was explained that we've kind of taken for assumption, taken that people would know. And I suppose it's a reminder to us and something that we need to say again and rediscover again that to, we can't assume that people speak the language of tradition and culture as once we expected them to. <clears throat> and so for me, Advent is that opportunity to explore that, to make space for that and to say to people, don't be in such a rush. Look, we live in a world today where there's a huge focus on mindfulness and meditation and taking time out. 
And I'm kind of saying, well, do you know what? That's what Advent's for. You know, the beauty of the liturgical calendar is that it's a preparation season to be able to celebrate the feast of Christmas. And it's like it's like Easter, you know, um, when you're a child and you do your Lent and you give up your sweets, there's nothing as nice as that first chocolate you take on Easter Sunday morning, probably before your breakfast and your parents are saying you shouldn't be having any chocolate. You know, it's 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 that like it's like that trying to experience that sense of wonder I try to create space to experience that sense of wonder because I suppose, you know, um, Pope Francis wrote a letter about the, uh, about the crib and about, you know, how it is an enchanting image is the term that's used. Um, And it never ceases to arouse wonder and amazement. But you see, if you don't pause for yourself to be able to experience that wonder and amazement, you're not going to be able to have it. Yeah. And Father Chris, you know, um, one of the things that we've spoke about here in the program, too, and maybe you might want to comment on that, too, is the importance and the wonder of the readings that we hear during Advent. Those readings which include prophecies from hundreds of years ago. And it's come and, and it'll be coming through on Christmas Day. The, the importance just of taking in and listening to the readings during this time, especially the Sundays. Would you agree with that, Father Chris? Well, yeah, I would, of course, uh, because I suppose they're they're specially chosen, and I suppose the great prophets of Advent would be readings from Isaiah and, and reference and readings around John the Baptist. You know, so they're all there to help us. But sometimes we need help. To, to see that and unpack that, you know, uh, often maybe we, we can find ourselves at masses and the readings might wash over us. And like I know for me, I, I'm no scripture scholar, but it's always great when, when someone can unpack something and say, do you know what Isaiah mm. was kind of speaking to here and so on. So there's a lot of richness as always mm. in the word of God. But so, sadly, often we may not be uh, as open to it, or may not have the insights needed to 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 mine the 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 depths of that richness sometimes. But yeah, Advent the readings will tend towards Isaiah and and creating a, I suppose a, a kingdom and banquets of hope, and then again John the Baptist reminding us to to kind of uh, to awaken, uh, to be awake, to be alert. Like Shane said, there's opportunities to be mindful and to reflect and so on. And I suppose awakening is always important. I think it was John O'Donoghue who talks about that we don't actually pass on faith. We do in theory, but he always says, you don't pass it on, you awaken. Because actually there is a faith, there's some a spark of the divine in each of us. Mm-hmm. And actually it's in the awakening of that, that faith grows and blossoms. So yes, we do as parents and friends and people pass on faith, but the real goal is to awaken. And then if you listen to the cry of of, of Advent, it is, you know, be alert and be awake and awaken to what's around us and within us. So the readings do offer great richness, but I'd often lament in myself, uh, sometimes you need to sit with them. Sometimes at Mass we might be as attentive to the readings as, as we should be. And also I'd lament that sometimes I don't have 
the, the I suppose, the scripture experience or the wisdom of a scripture scholar who can uh, point various glimmers of, of meaning that I would often <clears throat> overlook, you know. Mm. So there's a lot there if we could uh, have the eyes and the ears to see and hear it. Definitely, I would I would agree with that. That I suppose sometimes the the imagery and the texts that we encounter during the Advent season can be overwhelming. And as well as that, as as Chris said at the top, you know, each week has a particular focus, you know. So and it's it's trying to understand and get the opportunity to understand that. Like as you said, last week was it was John the Baptist. This week it's very much Isaiah and the the role of Mary. And again, being able to get that time and space is so difficult and understanding. And I suppose what I would say as well to that is that sometimes we need to kind of um, approach it with a bit more bite-sized chunks. <clears throat> so I, for me, I think there, there, there's two ways of approaching it. Like uh, there was a great online um drive this advent I, I don't know where it started or where it came from but it it seemed to come up for on my facebook quite a lot where people were being encouraged to read one chapter of luke every day from the start of advent to christmas eve and it was it would that's 24 chapters so you'd have a chapter a day and you'd finish luke's gospel on christmas eve and i said yeah it's a great thing but again you know, not the easiest thing for people to do sometimes. And when you are reading scripture, as Chris said, sometimes you do need something or someone to be able to guide you on it. Um, and particularly the prophets. Isaiah has beautiful imagery. And the interesting thing is we use Isaiah both at Christmas when we talk about, you know, Emmanuel and the, the virgin will conceive and bear a child who will be God with us. And that beautiful, you know, um, that, that beautiful prophecy from Isaiah, which Handel put into the Messiah. But the other side of it is we also have Isaiah at Easter and the, the, at, 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 at Good Friday, where Isaiah talks about, see the one you have crucified. You know, you have, uh, you've pierced his side and you've counted every one of his bones, the suffering servant. So, you know, Isaiah is one of the prophets that we very much associate with Christ. But for me, I think as well, if you wanted, um, if you wanted a bite-sized chunk that was manageable and easy to digest uh, and to give yourself maybe 10 minutes leading up to Christmas. We mentioned them last week on the program when, when, on, when we had the bishop on, which was Gaudete Sunday, which, of course, is the O antiphons. <clears throat> and those beautiful antiphons, now, they're the antiphons which accompany the divine office, but there's, there's, they run from the 16th to the 24th. There's eight of them. And, of course, they make up the great hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. But they are bite-sized chunks which provide reflection from across Old and New Testament to allow people something to meditate. And there is wonderful online meditations, particularly for people that are in that space, that are you know on, in the online space. There are wonderful online meditations across many platforms, and even ourselves on Sacred Space. We we used we have um, we have about six or seven years of archive of of, of the antiphons as well. And as Chris said, you know, scripture can be challenging, but if you can approach it in little bite-sized little approaches, and you know, it's it's like anything. If you start with it small go bit by bit, then the, the immensity of it doesn't seem so much. It's like when you're climbing Croke Patrick, <clears throat> you don't look at the mountain. You take it one step at the time, um, you know, so that you can eventually get to the top and appreciate the view. And I suppose for, for on this fourth Sunday of Advent, we only have a couple of days left. 
And I suppose the fourth Sunday of Advent is one of those days where... Um, the fourth week of Advent, I should say. It can be quite long or short. It depends when Christmas falls. Uh, this year, we've got that extra few days. You have the 22nd, the 23rd, and the 24th. So you have three days. And maybe, you know, to look at things and say, you know, maybe, Chris, things like try and get to confession. You know, uh, take that 20 minutes. You know, in Limerick, we have a great tradition with the, the fathers in Mount St. Alphonsus, in the Augustinians on O'Connell Street, um, well, we don't have the Franciscans, the Dominicans anymore, or even in your home parish, um, you know, that, that opportunity to think about what gift will I give the Christ child? What will I do for the babe of Bethlehem? Father Chris, would you like to, uh, to offer a few more little thoughts maybe there on just these last few days of Advent? Yeah, no, exactly, to be honest, what Shane says is very important. Every season provides us with an opportunity and I suppose the, the goal is to see how we can take that opportunity and make the most of it. So, like the suggestions Shane made are, are very good. Where can you find time, be it maybe through the sacrament of confession or, or visiting a crib and, you know, just finding a bit of space is always good. Uh, but I always, I'd come back to, to to remind people, so many people would say to, you know, to me, and we've heard it all, you know, that... God, I'm just trying to get through Christmas, get over it, you know, can't wait for Christmas to be over because of various things that we carry. So there's a lot of people who dread Christmas. And I'd love if they could know that actually the Christmas message and Christmas itself is nearly more for those who are downcast than the joyful. The joyful are okay. Whereas the message of Christmas is one of hope and, and specifically hope to those who are hurting. So the very people who kind of naturally wish it away because they're lonely and they're sad and they're hurting are the people that Christmas is really for, you know. And I bring them back and go, look at the name, Emmanuel. It's it's just, for me, everything comes down to that name because it's more than a name. It's it's a promise, which means it means God is with us. And like... You know, that's such a beautiful promise. It, like, And I often think about when in that choosing of the name, parents go through various options around names and choices. And if this God chose this name purposely, it could have been a name that meant God protects you or God guards you or God defends you. But no, God knew the greatest need we have is to know that we're not alone. And so that, that name, Emmanuel, is everything to me, a name that means God is with us, no matter what, no matter where, no matter when. And for me, there's great hope in that. And it's actually especially for those who are hurting. And thanks for that, for that, for Father, uh, Father Chris, because it was something that I was just going to finish up just before we finished up this second part. There's a lot of our listeners who listen to the programme who can't get out of the house and... and, and it's been, you know, an awful lot of those who maybe used to go to mass all their lives and so on and so forth, but now through 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 health reasons or whatever they can't go. And then there's other people who are struggling maybe with their faith, and are struggling with with, with one way or the other. And I think it's a beautiful thought that you had there of using that term Emmanuel. God is with us. God is with them. Maybe just one final word for them, Father, as they face into these three days before Christmas. Well, yeah, it, and it is so true. Like it all, it's, it all comes down to that name. 
because it is it is a name and it's a promise that whatever however you're feeling however the year has been wherever you stand on this journey of faith that we'll all be taking steps forward and backwards on and that continuum that is faith but wherever you are there is a god who delights in you who loves you who who cherishes you and is whispering to you each and every day I am with you, no matter what, no matter where, no matter uh, when. And and I suppose that we we have that opportunity to try and reconnect to that. And that's just probably not just good news. It's the best news imaginable, really. Father Chris, thank you so much for that. And at that, we might um, leave this particular section and go to for our second piece of music, which just happens to be O Come, Come, Emmanuel. And this time it's sung by Anya. So join us again in part three where we read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel.
So welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined in, stu- in the Skype line by Shane Ambrose and on the telephone by Father Chris O'Donnell. And thanks to that, Father Chris and Shane, for helping us to work our way through uh, the last few thoughts on this, the fourth Sunday in Advent. This part of the programme is where we read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel, and before that there's a prayer we always pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So the Gospel for today, uh, the Gospel of the fourth Sunday in Advent, we'll invite Father Chris to read that Gospel for us today. Thanks, Father Chris. Okay. So, uh, the Gospel according to Matthew. This is how Jesus Christ came to be born. His mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph. But before they came to live together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a man of honor and wanting to spare her publicity, decided to divorce her informally. He had made up his mind to do this, when the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because she has conceived what is in her by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you must name him Jesus, because he is the one who is to save his people from their sins. Now all this took place, to fulfill the word spoken by the Lord through the prophet. The Virgin Mary will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, a name which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had told him to do. He took his wife to his home. Thank you very much. Father Chris, Um, Shane, would you like to start off a little... Thought for this place and that one? Yeah. Um, when we were talking about the, 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 the kind of the, the close of Advent in the second part of the program, Chris made the very valid point that this week the focus moves to Mary. And I suppose what we're celebrating at Christmas, or one of the things we celebrate at Christmas, of course, is the birth of a child. And I suppose, you know, there is 50% of the population that can only really experience that and even of that 50% not every one of them will and that of course is the gift of being an expectant mother now obviously you know the expectant daddies will have their nerves as well but it's it's slightly different when you're the mom in the, in the situation you know and you know it's it's that time that we're entering into at the moment it's that last few few days or that time just before uh, you know all action kicks off and Baba is about to arrive um, which we are in that at that, that waiting period we're in at the moment, but this Sunday's gospel <clears throat> focuses actually on Joseph, 
And of course, <clears throat> as we know, um, Joseph is very much the silent man of the Gospels. He doesn't say anything. He's just there. And of course, the church has great tradition to, tradition to Joseph. He's seen as the guardian of the church because he was the father of the foster father of Jesus. He was the guardian of the Holy Family. Um, and he was a man of God, is how it's generally described. And we have it here, we see why. Because just as much as Mary's ultimate yes paved the way for the incarnation, Joseph's yes, um, not as direct to an angel, but through his dreams, very much, I suppose, protected the Holy Family. Um, because if otherwise you think about it, Mary was an unwed mother. Uh, they were betrothed, they weren't wed. And she was pregnant in a society where unwed mothers could be stoned um, for being pregnant. So <clears throat> there was a lot of, you know, a lot of pressure on Joseph. And yet at this time, kind of, he's open to hearing the voice of God and seeing what it is that um, he's been asked of him. And of course, we have the linkages in, of course, because J Joseph is of the house of David as well. And for me, I suppose the gospel is very much a case of being open to the divine, even in the midst of the difficulties in our lives. Um, and being able to, I suppose the technical term that's used, being able to discern what it is that we're called to do. Not an easy thing to do, to figure out what we're doing or what we're called to do. Um, and something, I suppose, that we need to think about uh, not even just in the Christmas season, but in throughout journey that we make in life itself. So for me, I suppose this Sunday, I think the two things that jump out at me, if I was to sum it up, is very much that silent man who said his own yes to God and discerned what way he was called to respond. And the question, I suppose, for us, and I suppose if I could be slightly sexist about it even, is particularly for men, because sometimes... You know, that's the challenge that needs to be put out there is what way is God speaking to you this Christmas and to you this Sunday in terms of the questions that will be posed to you in your daily life? Thank you for that, uh, Shane. Father Chris, a few thoughts for yourself, please. Yeah, well, I could only re-echo what Shane is saying there. And like that Joseph figure, I'm always drawn to Joseph, his patron saint of father's. And a reminder, as always, that actions will always speak louder than words, you know. So he, he is that silent example of, of someone who is faithful and loyal and reliable, even though there's no words attributed to him in the gospel. And yet he's so much part of the plan. And how often are there people in our lives who are always sort of nearly in the background and yet have had a, a tremendous influence and who we are. Just a reminder that the little we, we do can make a big difference. Uh, we don't always have to be front and centre. And Joseph is, is really pointing case on that, reminding us, I suppose, that you know, even in those moments when we feel we don't have words to make sense of something, our actions are, are, can speak louder than any words, you know. Father Chris, thanks for that. I suppose my own just thought there was that there was Joseph confronted with a with a massive problem, really, and from from a human point of view, and wasn't too sure what to do. And I suppose most people would be thinking the same as he thought. And yet, what happened? God intervenes through an angel, 
and came and set his mind at rest and and then we know the rest of the story that Joseph took Mary for the rest of his life I suppose the lesson that I suppose the lesson there sometimes is well as, as Father Chris said early on you know God is with us and God was with Joseph we don't know when he's going to intervene all we know is that and we don't know how he's got, how he intervenes or when he's going to intervene but he does intervene and it's just that hope and faith that that there may be this time of the year as um, Jesus comes to us as a baby in Bethlehem, as uh, Father Chris said again, Emmanuel with us, God with us, and he comes to be with us in those times like that. So there are people out there this morning who are listening to, to Sacred Space, who listen to us as again all, all year. I, I've met them myself, I met them recently, who are lonely and struggling and need hope and constantly need hope. And those of us who can, to do the best we can to be able to give them the good news. The good news this year, again at this time of the year, but it's not just this time of the year. I suppose it's it's all type of the year. it's all moments of the year and hours of the year and days of the year. Is that God is with us? He's not just with us here on Christmas Day. So we thank the Lord for being with those people. Maybe like Joseph, maybe saying nothing, but they're there and they're praying and they're struggling. And we ask the Holy Spirit and the Lord to be with them this morning, in a special way as they come towards the conclusion of this Advent season. So I suppose, Shane, just one last thought in terms of maybe preparation the last few days as we come up to Christmas Day. Last thought for yourself? Um, I suppose for me, it's, you know, it's you're leading into the madness and of a, what can be a very busy time. Because there's things to be done and preparations to be done. And they have to be done. But I would say to people, you know, if you're trying to find that moment in your day where you just want to have that five minutes to do whichever, to read a scripture, to look at an antiphon, just to pause and reflect, before you get out of bed in the morning or as you, look, as you get into bed at night, probably the only chance that you're going to do it, but to take that chance and to find that opportunity and to be able to experience that moment, as Chris said, of awakening the divine within each of us. Thanks for that, Shane. And, and Father Chris, a final word from yourself for those people who, you know, the, the last few days well, left? I, I'd, yeah, I'd be very conscious. We're at the time of year where naturally light and darkness, uh, that, that whole battle as such, and we can feel like the days are shorter and shorter, but it's exactly at this time of our year when it looks like darkness is winning out in this battle between light and darkness, that the greatest light and hope and love can come into our lives. And so Christmas is so well-timed on lots of fronts. So really, the hope is that that light and that love and that promise that's at the heart of Christmas can lift people's hearts and touch their souls and, and give them the peace and the light and the love that they need and that we all need. Father Chris, thank you so much for, for finishing up our programme with those with those beautiful words. And thank you again for taking time out. I know you're busy, lucky enough to be able to get you, but we got you at some time in the evening, one day during the week. Thank you so much for, for, for joining us and also for offering us the, the Christmas reflection. And may we, here in Sacred Space, um, wish you all the blessings of this Christmas season. Thanks very much. So please join us again, uh, as I said, Christmas morning at 9am to 11am for our Christmas special. And it'll be repeated again uh, Christmas night, 10pm to midnight. So at this point, we'll go out with our final piece of music. I suppose it's up a tune. It's entitled Mary and Joseph Song, and this is sung by Marcia 
Poland. So uh, until Christmas Day, from myself and Cheyenne and Father Chris, God bless you all now. Bye. Oh